global pandemics, electoral fraud, identity politics, car insurance. The modern world can be a confusing, frightening place. We're here in the wilds of the North Pennines to meet someone who believes that society has come too far and going beyond removing himself from the modern world is actively trying to devolve. I just had this feeling for a long time that there's been a mistake, that that, that, that something was, was, was wrong. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be living like this. Uh, after a while, the thought of just uh, walking upright made me feel sick. The first things to go uh, were the thumbs, you know, they've, uh, they've been nothing but trouble for as long as I can remember. And you removed them yourself? Oh yeah, uh, a penknife did for the first one easy enough, but when I had to do my right hand, it was, um, yeah. Norman Fashnew worked as an IT engineer in Carlisle until this past winter. The turning point, he says, came from allegedly catching a virus from his computer. The doctor had said it was just the flu, and said it was uh, seasonal, but I knew he was just spouting the party line. Within a week, Fashnew had left his job, his flat, discarded his possessions and severed his connections with his family and friends before making his way into the countryside. It took a few days to walk from uh, from Carlisle to uh, to out here, you know, um, uh, on all fours. Um, I won't lie, the temptation was always there to hitchhike, you know, um, when you're seeing all these cars passing by, but, um, ah, you know, of course I couldn't. Oh, you're, you're anti-technology, aren't you? Well, yes, but I'd, I'd already cut off my thumbs, you see. Fashnu survives on whatever he can hunt and forage, his home being a shortly built shelter made of twigs, but he says that this is just the beginning. I know I'm not there yet, uh, as I still have dreams of laminate flooring and, uh, and uh, ice cream adverts, but I've just got to remember that devolution is a process. I've got a nice stoop coming in from being in all fours so much, and I've managed to digest an old coat kind of found, so it's progress, you know. Uh, I hope within a few years to have my eyes move a bit more to the side of my head, but uh, I'm just taking it day by day. After visiting Fashnu, we spoke to his mother, who had not seen her son since he showed up at her door not long before his disappearance with a length of Cumberland's sausage, supposedly symbolising his umbilical cord and a handmade card that read, You're not welcome. Were you surprised by your son's decision, Mrs. Fashnu? Ah, well, I mean, yes and no. He came out of me backwards, so I should have seen it coming, really. Fashnu agreed to speak to Borough News, as he hoped that others would follow his example of returning to our genealogical roots. Just to help us understand, could you sum up your ideology for those watching at home for us, please, Norman? Well, I think ideologies have probably got us into all this mess, but... If you like, uh, I think it can be all uh, summed up in five words. This is not your party. Hi, I'm Tony Zapruder, star of the upcoming motion picture. Gorillas in the Scotch Mist. 
I play a jaded conservationist and I help the unhealthiest gorilla in captivity at the Glasgow Zoo. I think, uh, I think we got a clip, don't we? Tim, I'm telling you, you can't feed no gorilla french fries. Look at the gut in this fella. He can't even fit in his goddamn tire swing. He's a primate. He eats, shoots, and leaves. Eats, shoots, and leaves? Isn't that a typical trip to McDonald's for you young bastards, eh? Look, Tam, I know I'm up against you, your co-workers, the zoo management, Scottish Parliament, and a corrupt monarchy, but I'm telling you, this gorilla's gonna quit smoking. <laughs> you hang in there, Georgie. You'll see the rainforest again, just like we promised. We filmed the picture on location, uh, not here in Glasgow, but over there in Edinburgh, because the, the, the zoo guys got mad at how he portrayed them as, uh, as negligent and all that, you know? And I said some things, and they said some things, and now I guess the whole city hates us. But it was based on a true story. How can you get mad? Anywho, I'm here at the offices of the Daily Record to smooth things over with the city of Glasgow by answering some questions from a bunch of cute little fourth graders. Let's hope I can understand these little twerps, huh? <laughs> Hi, Tony. When I'm sad, my mummy makes my favorite meal that's egg and chip lasagna. What's your favorite meal and what do you do when you get sad? Jeez, that's what your mom makes you, kid? Egg and chip lasagna? Are you sure she loves you? I mean, was it not enough that she obviously smoked and drank during her pregnancy, huh? Good questions, though, kid. My favorite meal when I get sad? Yeah, well, I, uh, I, like, I like a good steak. Uh, preferably from a cow that had a decent life. So, uh, not one from around here, that's for sure. I'm pretty sure when I was being given a tour of one of these crap shack towns around here, I saw a herd of cows whistling to the slaughterhouse. Hi, Tony. My mom really fancies you. She's single and ready to mingle. And she says that she thinks you'd be great together, and she's a great listener, and you have nothing to worry about because my dad is only in prison for a non-violent crime. Ah, ain't that nice. She's in a picture. Ha, jeez Louise, call out the search. We found Nessie. Jeez, kid, I'm sorry about your old man. What'd he get sentenced for, huh? Looking at this here picture, it must have been uh, bestiality. Next question. Hi, Tony. My favourite subject at school is maths, but I hate English. What was your favourite subject at school? Well, kid, I could see why you got the edge on your classmates in math class. What would, uh, you having those extra fingers to be counting on, huh? Jeez, kid. When you get to do a long multiplication, all you need to do is take off your shoes and socks. That's a pretty good question, though, kid. Uh, you know, I, I, I like gym class, you know. Young Tony throwed a mean dodgeball. Hell, I bet you can even probably uh, get some crazy spin on those things yourself, huh, kid? What, with those uh, extra fingers? Hi, Tony. When I grow up, I want to be a movie star. How can I make my dreams come true? How can you make your dreams come true? Huh. How about you take a sleeping bag and have a camp out at an all-night McDonald's? You and a bunch of drunks trying to order a sack of hamburgers will definitely give you some more realistic dreams, huh? I tell you, kid, you got a face for the radio and a voice for a braille picture book. And I'm not even trying to be mean, kid. Dreams are overrated. 
Last night I had a dream all my skin fell off and I was some kind of plant creature. The mind's a prison, kid. A green space filled with tents and dilapidated caravans. The images you are seeing are not of a grassroots music festival, nor of a gypsy infestation. Residents of a West Cumbrian village are protesting the sale of a community green to property developers by setting up camp and refusing to leave until plans to turn the space into rustic holiday villas are aborted. We're here in Osselthwaite to ask the protesters about the importance of the green to the community. Oh, well, this park is like a living history of my life. Uh, almost all of the landmark moments I've had have occurred here. Um, I learned to ride a bike on that path and uh, how, how to swim on those, uh, on those swings. Uh, I lost my virginity on this green, actually. Uh, my first child was conceived under that climbing frame and aborted behind that holly bush. So, you know, if, if you take away this green, you take away a part of me. You know, uh, physical spaces, they're important for the memory. Oh, God knows how I'll cope. You know, me, me dementia-riddled grandfather was only able to remember his own name in the morning after a nurse showed him a map of the Falklands. Sandy Green is more than just a patch of sodden turf and rusted metal. It's as much a part of me as me, uh, me gammy leg or me plastic eye. The relationship between the community and its uh, local newspaper man is somewhat symbiotic. Or so I learned whilst serving my time as an apprentice at the uh, Pickering Trumpet. In a time before the internet and ADHD, the local populace depended on a free and trustworthy press to illuminate and inform. Nowadays, the trend of district news seems to be to provide the same quick and easy dopamine injection one would receive from low-grade hashish or hitting one's child. In turn, back then, one would rely on coordinating with members of the community in order to be notified of the transpirings of the parish. In a pub, I had learned the home address of North Yorkshire's fattest man from a plumber who had recently reinforced the corpulent gentleman's much overburdened lavatory. At the greengrocers, the proprietor had furnished me with the information I needed to finally nail the rogue door-to-door -door salesman of counterfeit potatoes. That's not to say that the local vine was completely without its uh, sour grapes. On one occasion, I had found myself installed at a bench by the Church of St. Peter and Paul. I had noticed on my way to work that morning 
that a crew of window cleaners were attending to the grand old building and my journalist's intuition had told me that a story was sure to be had. I mean, those windows were filthy. How could a reverend speak of God's light being in all things when it couldn't even get into his house? And as I sat, pad and pen in hand, waiting for the story to strike, a man I had never met before joined me on the bench. Though he was unfamiliar to me, he knew me to be a man of the press. I was uh, initially flattered, until I remember I was wearing my industry requisite, man of the press sash. He said he had quite the story for me. The world famous artist Salvador Dali had taken residence in the town, cloistered away from the hungry eyes of the metropolitan art world, and was at work on a much fated piece that was to make his previous surrealist paintings look like black and white photographs of pensioners. I couldn't believe my look, and noted the address he gave me. The gentleman told me to call on Dali at noon sharp, for as wacky as the man was perceived to be, he was equally as fastidious about his breaks for meals. I thanked the gentleman and started to the office to fetch the resident photographer, Sid Appleby. As a man of the visual arts, I had thought that Sid would have been more excited at the prospect of, uh, of meeting a colossus of the medium, rather than his uh, protestations of Dali probably being a shirtlifter. Nevertheless, we arrived at the time specified at the address I had been given, which was uh, a somewhat nondescript bungalow cum shack that stood disdainfully at the outskirts of town. Had there not been pigs milling about the yard, I would have sworn that they would have been in residence inside. The eccentricities of the artist, I thought. I became aware of a rather overpowering, musty, uh, chemical smell upon approaching the premises, but in my naivety, I presumed that the source was Sid, still uh, attired in the boiler suit he had worn for his shift moonlighting at the foundry that morning. The door opened unexpectedly after a single sharp knock, and Sid and I entered into a room, pitch black save for a for an intense light at its centre. The heat and the fumes were oppressive, like a Turkish uh, 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 crack dead, and I could make out a figure, dramatically backlit by the aforementioned blaze and, and, and veiled in smoke. The man appeared to us like some Prometheus, having stolen fire from the gods, uh, only to keep it to himself. Sid and I stood on ceremony for what uh, appeared to be an age, watching the figure standing by the glow, the, the fire not seeming to affect the apparent titan as he poked and stirred at it. After a time, the figure turned and, after noticing us, his intruders, strode to the light switch on the wall. However, the room did not appear all at once, still still screened in smoke from the fire, yet we heard his voice, the, 
the, the, the Catalonian accent warping the Queen's tongue from the, the recognition of decent British ears. I see you have a come It's something, you know, with, with, with the lisp and all that. Having noticed that all he could receive in reply was coughing and spluttering from Sid and myself, he thoughtfully opened a window. After the smoke had uh, somewhat cleared, the man became more visible to me, incongruously dressed in a, in a shabby suit, dotted with burns and melted buttons, as, as well as brothel creepers that bore enough burn holes to be classified as brothel sandals. Miraculously, the only thing he had about him that had not been immolated was his famous moustache, prompting me to ponder if it had been waxed with a flame retardant. Hello and alright. My name is Barry Inverness and I'm an expert in child rearing. Uh, I say this as the father of uh, seven happy, healthy children. Um, As for my own uh, happiness and health, uh, I went to the chemist the other day for our Aidan's prescription and the lasso behind the counter tried giving us a cup of methadone. So I've been better. Alright. Uh, I'd like to thank Carlisle Magistrates for giving me the opportunity to meet the latest miracle addition to be bloody brewed. Uh, there was a social worker present, but it might just have been a paramedic for in case the decrepit old mother decided to fucking kill off her. Honest like, when I went in, she had to create a baby food on the kitchen top, which I thought was maybe overdoing it, until I saw her fucking tucking in. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, I'd actually like to thank, and I mean, not sarcastically, uh, Dr. Vic's Vasectorium, uh, which is a private clinic over in uh, Amsterdam. Amsterdam, eh? Mr. Worldwide! Now, <laughs> now the story here is uh, Dr. Vic heard about us through uh, social media and the... Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry, yeah, but you're having me going vital, like. And I mean, you know, not the, the usual way with the antibiotics. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so he got in touch uh, wanting to know if I wanted to try his experimental technique uh, in exchange for a plug. So, um, here's Dr. Vic. Do you like to sex on the ladies but think that condoms are way not cool, my dudes? Do you feel that you're most alive when exploding your man shit inside a lady? You know, the ones who had the baby eggs? Of course you do, my friends. Dr. Vic likes to do these things as well, but he hates the little children with the noses and hands all sticky touching up his documents. That's why he came up with this special procedure to keep you all childless and happy, guy. Dr. Vic opens your balls and puts the bands around your man tubes all snug and tight so the sperms, they stay inside their testy houses all safe and sound like little pigs. And if the day comes where the long dark night approaches and you feel your meaningless life and needs the, 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 the burden of the children, you call Dr. Vic 
he takes up the band's lickety split, my guy. So come over to Dr. Vic's Fashatorium. You can take the ferry, make the weekend dirty. Buy some ladies, test her out, my friend. Dr. Vic's Vasectorium. Put your balls in our hands, yes? Go to vicsvasectorium.nl or find us on the Facebooks. So uh, that was Dr. Vic. Uh, I don't know why he kept saying his own name, but um, uh, yeah, he, 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 he was a funny fella. And he wasn't joking about wanting you to uh, to try it out afterwards either, like, because he, he, he must have a deal with a knocking shop in town. Like, we were at this coffee shop getting, like, fuck chung, like, and he kept going, oh, my niece is very skilled. My niece is very skilled. Like, my niece is very skilled. And I'm, I'm like, well, I thought she was one of his surgeons until uh, he took us to the red light district and she fucking sucked us off. But uh, he, he wasn't lying, like, to, to be fair to him. Uh, Alright, um, well, let's get going, eh? Uh, this first in is from Sally in Lauka. It says, Dear Barry, uh, it was our youngest's birthday a couple of months ago, and it was a very happy occasion. We hired a double-decker bouncy castle and the only non-smoking clown in West Cumbria. And we had the whole thing catered by McDonald's after I found a human finger in my McFlurry? Alright. My partner and I were over the moon when our son told us it was the happiest day of his life. However, on that day, he got a badge from a birthday card his grandmother had gotten him that said... I'm the birthday boy, be super to me, with a picture of Superman on it. He put it on that morning and hasn't taken it off since. He's changed shirts every day, but he just transfers the badge. All of his t-shirts are riddled with holes. At first we thought it was cute, and when we got free ice cream when we took the kids to the Weatherspoons, We even thought it was brilliant, but it's been months now and the thing's even beginning to rust. We've pleaded with him time and again to take it off, but he's convinced that people will stop being super to him if he does. We're at our wits end, buddy. What do we do? Uh, how about you stop being super to him? Like, it's not, it's not fucking PhD psychology, is it, like? I mean, rip the fucking badge off his chest, smack the back of his legs, and if he starts booing, be like, Oh, would, would Superman start booing if I smacked the back of his legs? Oh, wait, Superman's not real. It was made up by Americans who hated black folk, and also, you were a fucking accident. Honestly, like, the sooner a kid learns that people are bastards, and the only superpower we have is shutting the fuck up and getting on with it, the fucking better. Like, but uh, if I'm honest, uh, I don't see you doing that, Sally. Um, I reckon that Weatherspoon's ice cream con was just a tip of the fucking iceberg. Like, I reckon you were wheeling the soppy little fucker into curries being like, Oh, it's his birthday, can he have an iPad? You dopey bitch. 
You're probably only looking at stopping it now because your kid's headmaster's been on the fucking phone saying the kids in his class are behind on the schoolwork after having to sing happy fucking birthday to your stupid fucking kid every morning for this fucking school term. Alright? Fuck me. Um, right, this next one's from Graham in Brampton. It says, Dear Barry, Recently, my son has been having a lot of his friends around at the house. They didn't seem like a bad bunch of lads, but after trying to talk to them, I couldn't get a word of English out of them. My son told me that they were his classmates from school, but I haven't seen any South Asian families around the area, and all of them have significant facial hair. I have even seen a couple of them wearing wedding rings. They never seem to be out of our house, but I have never once heard from their parents. How can I be sure my son isn't in with a wrong crowd? <sighs> right. Um, I don't know how to put this, so I'll just say it like, your son's into human trafficking, all right? Now, look, before you confront this, remember, this is your son, and you are his father, all right? Don't forget that. Because he fucking certainly has, running this earner under your roof without cutting you in, the cheeky little bastard. So say this to him. Either you get on the phone and have the fucking border force come round with a minibus and a big fucking net, or he cuts you in on what they're running washing pots down at the fucking Pearl Garden. Fuck me, you can have your car waxed each morning by your own personal army of migrants. You never have to cut a blade of grass in your life. Do you know why slavery was so fucking popular, Graham? Because it was fucking mint for the lads who didn't have to do out. So, they didn't fucking whinge. And get on it. Uh, this next one is from Danielle in Beckfoot. Uh, it says, uh, Dear buddy, uh, our daughter is absolutely fascinated with the post. She thinks that all letters and packages are from another world, something like heaven, and that postmen are something like angels. Every morning she stands by the letterbox with her hands in prayer and whenever something lands through it's like her prayers have been answered, even if it's a takeaway menu or a gas bill. She's only seven but she's absolutely convinced that she doesn't belong with us but rather with the post. She's adamant and wouldn't even entertain looking at her baby pictures or birth video. Birth video, fuck me. Uh, after a long soul-searching conversation, my partner and I decided to acknowledge our feelings as parents and to fulfill our daughter's dream of sending her to the world of post. However, our local post office soon clicked that our daughter in a box was too heavy to be what we said was a stand mixer. <laughs> and when she started sneezing, the game was really up. 
Now our household has a ban on sending post and we have no way of seeing our daughter happy. What can we do, Barry? Well, I guess you're lucky this is just fucking emails then, eh? Um, look, uh, I'm, I'm no fan of, uh, uh, of therapy, uh, but you and your partner uh, definitely should wade into the sea with stone stuff in your fucking pockets. I mean, how did you not get locked up for that? My cousin Derek got banged up last month for organising a Rottweiler Royal Rumble. Even though all the money made was for the village hall. Fuck me, the fella at the post office must have thought you were too fucking mental for the prison population or something like. Jesus. Right. Um, this next one's from Tanya in Ravenglass. Tanya in Ravenglass. Tanya. Tanya. Hey! <laughs> Alright, okay. Alright, alright, Tanyan Ravenglass, right? You know what? I am fucking looking forward to reading this one. Alright. Uh, in for a treaty, I like. Uh, it goes. <coughs> <coughs> Dear buddy, you no doubt remember the occasion you came around to my place last year. <laughs> oh, how could I forget? Uh, after rejecting your disgusting advances, well, that's not how I remember it, but uh, uh, you spent a quarter of an hour in the bathroom before I managed to get you to leave. It wasn't until the next morning that I had noticed you had spitefully ejaculated into my terrarium. <laughs> oh, mate. I, I don't know what a terrarium is, but I fucking spaffed all over that cactus he had in the fishbowl. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm sure you found this very funny. <laughs> Too fucking right. Uh uh, you'll probably find it even funnier knowing how angry it made me. Uh, but you have deserved a good laugh, Barry, considering the unwitting kindness you have done. You see, with the temperature of the terrarium and the nutrients from the soil, the sperm was able to survive uh, you probably think it as strange as I did like science fiction but after calling my sister who soft Ange who called her doctor we were able to preserve the sperm <sighs> when you did such a disgusting thing I feel like what you wanted was my anger, but instead, you have my sister's and my thanks. Ah, oh, God. <sighs> Yesterday, a beautiful baby girl was born, one who will have no idea who her father is, but will forever be living proof 
that no matter how much bad there is in the world, goodness will always find a way. Well, go to Vic's Vasectorium for your, uh, your free consultation. Funnily enough, uh, this isn't even my first time camping out on this green. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, we had a family holiday here. We were supposed to go on holiday to, to, to Falaraki, but my mother, who had never been abroad before, you know, she didn't have much in the way of the, the, the geography, uh, went to the library to look up what we could do there. Well, she couldn't pronounce uh, Falaraki very well, however, uh, so the librarian handed her a book on uh, Iraq. Uh, well, needless to say, the next day the holiday was cancelled and, you know, we, we never did get her to leave the country. Uh, you know, couldn't even get her out of Osselthwaite for, for that holiday. She was, she was that spooked. I didn't camp here again until my first wife put me out after she found a load of her clothes were stretched and ruined. Oh, she went absolutely ballistic and, and thought I was a secret cross-dresser like she'd read in her women's magazines. Oh, and she wouldn't hear of me innocence. She said all of her blouses had a B.O. smell like beef and onion crisps. Well, that, you know, that, that, that sealed it for her. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, thank God our son came out the week after. Otherwise, I'd have never been allowed in the house. Uh, she's just in the tent if he'd like to talk to her. Oh, no, 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 uh, we divorced years ago. I, I, I mean, my son. You had a date the other night, didn't you? Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, uh, how'd it go? Oh, you'll never believe it. What? I got catfished. Oh, mate. Yep. Oh, she massive like. Well, here's the thing. Yeah? I was catfished by a ghost. What? I just told you. How? Well, we'd arranged to meet at the train station. I told her by the big clock and uh, I got there just ahead of time. Yeah. So I stand there for a bit and a bit turns into half an hour. Okay. Half an hour turns into an hour. Okay. So I figure she's just not coming. But then I feel this presence like a chill. You know how people say it's like someone walking over your grave? Yeah. 
So I know I'm not alone. Well, there must be a few people around you though. Train station. Well, yes, but that's when you can feel the most alone, isn't it? <laughs> All right. So I think of a way to communicate with the presence. I open my phone up and I go to type a message. I, you know, just improvising, you know, think of it like a, a, a mini Ouija board. And I blindly type words and if I can understand what it says, then there's someone with me. So I did this and when I look, there are a series of proper words in a sentence. Yeah, that's, that's autocorrect. Wow, you don't know that. I can pretty much be sure of that. So I struck up a conversation with the presence. Um, I asked it if it was them that brought me here, and they replied yes. Didn't he, didn't he just text the girl? Oh, well, here's the thing. She didn't reply. So me and the spirit get to chatting and, you know, we really connected, right? You could say things went pretty well. Also, having a conversation with yourself is considered a good result, eh? Oh, no, 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 no. That wasn't the result. What? See, things got a bit crazy. <laughs> like they weren't already. Yeah, we, uh, we ended up in the train station toilets where, uh, things got a bit saucy. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, it was like a scene from a movie. Yeah, I've never seen a movie where the protagonist has a wank in the bogs of a train station. Nope. What? I mean, from what you've just said, I mean, I'm guessing that's what happened. Nope. Then, then tell us what happened. I'll just give you one word. Ectoplasm. I uh, managed to save some uh, once the deed was done, you know. Uh, then I got in touch with a scientist, told him what happened, and sent it for testing. Oh, you're an idiot. Did you actually? Have you had word back? Yep. So, what did they say? <sighs> Bad news. They said I should never have children. Oh, uh, I'm sorry about that. beckoned me closer to the glow which emanated from a huge broad furnace and gestured to its top. I say beckoned me rather than us as uh, Sid, uh, evidently overcome by the, the, the smoke upon entry, had retreated back out of the door for a, for a cigarette. After uh, gathering up the courage I approached and saw what Mr. Darley was gesturing towards. In a frying pan, melted an alarm clock. Its glass face evaporated, 
and its wobbly hands doing a poor impersonation of the artist's moustache, which was twitching with impatience to hear what I had to say. I was intrigued, but not at the staid, self-derivative nature of the artist's work, uh, but uh, rather, upon closer inspection, noting that only one moustache point was now riding the top lip of the alleged Dali. The other now lay upon the ridge of his chin, giving the impression that, with time measurement tools now being so persecuted, his face had turned a twenty to three in sympathy. Before I could ask if this was his uh, intention, he was gone, apparently melted himself into the nebulous ether. I had initially thought it all part of the act, until I looked down and made out Sid, who had returned and was sat upon the artist, in the process of hooking him into a Boston crab. He yelled at me, Grab the camera, soft lad. The gaffer at the foundry won't half pay me a wedge for catching the lad who robbed the furnace. So I bent down, took the camera from around Sid's neck, and began to document from all angles the hyperextension of the thief's back and legs, soundtracked by his awful howls. Sid grinning as he leaned back, like a fisherman envisaging the behemoth at the end of his line. If my own part in this sounds uh, rather callous, I must explain that I was very much incensed at uh, having been gulled by the uh, imposter Dali, the camera's flash confirming that it was indeed the very same man who had spoken to me on the bench by the church. If it wasn't for the sacrosanct principle of journalistic objectivity, I would have gladly given him a few digs myself. To be completely honest, when he, when he wouldn't even drop the Spanish accent as he cried out in pain, I had to physically stop myself from booting his face into a, into a surrealist reimagining of my own. Instead, I went out to find a phone booth and called the authorities. A police mugshot taken that evening showed that Yorkshire's finest had indeed done that job for me. The story that ended up being published uh, wasn't much. An open and shut report of a disgruntled former employee who had stolen a valuable piece of foundry equipment. Salvador Dali wasn't even mentioned. I had wanted to put forward a character study, delving into the motives of the impersonator, uh, getting under his skin, uh, framing the whole fiasco as a, as a subversive, uh, situationist work of art of its own, but uh, uh, the editors uh, found that the story would handily serve the purpose of highlighting the rising influence of Bolshevism in the industrial workforce. I never did get to interview him and I really had to bite my tongue, much like the erstwhile Mr. Daly did as he was uh, hanged in the town square that weekend, the legal system being rather more direct in those days. Nevertheless, his final words screamed into the chilly morning air I later found out to be a, a quote of the of the real Dali. 
those who do not want to imitate anything produce nothing. A rather profound epitaph, uh, even if it was delivered in a pish-poor Spanish accent. You would think that the man himself was in uh, possession of a deep, unattainable wisdom, until you learned the real Dali also said, I don't do drugs, I am drugs. The whole thing seemed a waste to me, uh, especially when you consider that uh, if I had stayed at my post outside the church, I would have seen the spirit of St. Paul, who had appeared and caused one of the window cleaners to fall from his ladder and break his neck. I felt like a young bachelor who, having had his head turned from a courtship of a fair and virtuous lass by one who was more hot to trot, had found out that his new flame was actually a hermaphrodite. Lessons learned, of course. One's gained by an early career of misleads and one, unfortunately, broken engagement. But that, of course, is a it's a story for another time. My dad's buried under that slide. I know he wasn't very well liked in the area, but he was still my dad and we loved him so much. But just people in small spots like this, they, they just don't forget, you know? They said he did some awful things, but I just can't believe them. My dad could have never done away with that girl. Of course, that's the, that's the reason we couldn't get him buried in the cemetery. It was the... It was the Undertaker's daughter. Ah, you know, we we were at a loss with what to do after he died, and ah, oh, you know, we, we we were just in bits. You know, we we couldn't cope. My brother suggested we bury him at sea, but uh, I didn't think it was very appropriate, as they say he drowned that girl in the Solway. I knew what they'd say. It it was actually my idea to to bury him under the slide. My earliest memory is of my dad taking me to the park of a weekend uh, after he got finished at the factory, uh, still wearing his overalls. I can still remember his, his smell, like rum and, uh, and embalming fluid, as he waited for me at the bottom of the slide. Oh, I remember being so scared, like I felt I was on, on top of Everest. But he said to me, Oh, I'll never forget. He said to me, Elizabeth Jane, he said, life can be scary sometimes, and we're always afraid of falling. You just need to remember that, 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 that it's all just a ride. Life is just a ride, and it, it's there to be enjoyed. And, and if you ever go too high or, or, or fall too far, your daddy's always going to be here to catch you. I promise, he said. So I closed my eyes and, and there, was, there was a whooshing sound and, 
and when I opened them, I was in his arms, and, and he was holding me so tight, and I'd never felt so safe, <laughs> and I haven't since. We live just over there, so the thought of looking out of the window and seeing the resting place of my dad just, just, just warmed my heart. You know, so so one night, uh, uh, my, my brothers and, and my uncles took some shovels and, and laid him to rest there at the bottom of the slide, so he could forever keep his promise to, to always be there for me. My dad always kept his promises. I held the torch as I said my last goodbye to my dad. Of course, the village kicked off. They said no child could ever use the slide ever again because of what they say he did to that girl before, supposedly drowning her in the Solway. They never proved anything. It, it's just small town gossip, and they all got over it after they had an exorcist come. I mean, the, the kids never used the slide anyway. Not since they said my dad took that girl from the slide to, to drown her in the Solway. Oh, nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. Ladies, is this you? Oh my god, I've been working 16 hour days for that promotion for the last three months and they just gave it to that lazy slob Daryl. There's just no way to get ahead in this patriarchal world. That's what I thought until I joined SettleForDaddy.com. SettleForDaddy.com is the dating website for attractive girls who want to climb the social ladder but would rather take the elevator. Got your attention? Well, let's hear from some of the eligible bachelors on offer. My name's Derek, and I have a real estate company in Flint, Michigan. <laughs> Which is kind of funny, as my previous sexual encounters have all been with homeless girls. I am technically a registered sex offender, but that's only because I was caught streaking at a Major League Baseball game. I enjoy military history, having difficulty breathing, and attending strangers' weddings. Ladies, hands up if you haven't dated a sex offender. My ex used to expose himself to gas station attendants after telling them he couldn't pump it himself. And he didn't even have a real job, never mind a real estate company. Bachelor number two. Hello, I am Dmitry of Petroleum Oil Consum and I am in demand of moderately priced whore to be eye candy at corporate engagement. You must not quarrel with Dimitri and wear dead mother ball gowns. Website prohibit payment, but negotiate will be done in private. I am stern but generous. I am Dimitri. Woo girl, someone call the coast guards cause we got an oil slick over here. Who doesn't love to be shown off at fancy functions? Then, when you get home and draw the iron curtains, ooh! My name's Ernest, and I'm a self-made man. By which I mean I've had 47 cosmetic surgery procedures. <laughs> I inherited all of my money. <laughs> uh, I, I spend most of my time hanging around in uh, bus stations, uh, critiquing others' appearances, uh, which has led to uh, 15 of my procedures. Uh, what can I say? Uh, I'm a lover, uh, not a fighter, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, a very violent and inconsiderate lover. 
I've seen this man in person, ladies, and he is gorgeous. He looks like this Ken doll I had an unhealthy infatuation with when I was little. I used to cook him meals and make him shove my face in it when it wasn't up to his standard. Next bachelor. My official title is the 18th Earl of Staplehurst, and I'm looking for someone discreet and understanding. Um, I stand to inherit a significant estate, but only upon my betrothal to a female lady. To those who would be interested, I smell nice at all hours, and I won't lay a finger on you, even if you ask me nicely. You would also have the run of the manor while I'm on one of my frequent excursions. Oh, and uh, no one underage, preferably, as my uncle got into a spot of bother with that last time with these services. Ta-da! <gasps> Genuine royalty, ladies! If Prince Charming is every little girl's dream, then this is every grown woman's wet dream. One time I hooked up with this guy who said that he was a Nigerian prince, but when he took me back to his mom's apartment, I knew I'd never get that $10,000 back. But that won't happen to you! All of our bachelors are fully vetted and verified, by which we mean they've had to pay a hefty deposit. Settleforddaddy.com because you're gonna fuck weirdos anyway, so why not make some money off of it? We're getting you out of here, Georgie. The zookeepers are gonna find that ginger kid's chewed up torso, and they're gonna be back here with a rifle quicker than you can say deep fried banana sandwich. <laughs> I know, Georgie. The kid that Greasy gets in the enclosure is only gonna play out one way. <laughs> it ain't your fault, Georgie. Just like it wasn't your fault you lost your part of diabetes. Come on, Georgie. <laughs> It's not too high, just come on now. That was another clip from the picture. It's a real tearjerker, I promise you. So, uh, we just got a few more of these questions before I get to blow this banana stand and let's make them snappy, huh? I tipped the bellboy at my hotel a hundred not to steal my shoes. But uh, from the look on his face on my way out, they're, they're, they're probably already on the black market, you know? Hi, Tony. My daddy told me that when I was born, my mommy screamed and screamed so much. He was sure I was a demon or something. And every day is just more and more something I was sent by the devil. So, what's your favorite color? Jeez, kids, stay on topic, why don't you, huh? I guess sugar to you is what uh, heroin is to your deadbeat father, huh? Good question, no kid. Tony's favorite color? Uh, let me think. Uh, green. Because it took a lot of it for me to come over to this shit shack country, huh? Next question. Hi, Tony. I'm the only one in my class that can't swim, and it makes me really sad. Can you swim? Kid, you beat a hundred million of a sperm, huh? You done your swimming. You swam enough, you poor schmuck. You would have been better off just going around in circles instead of going for that goddamn egg, huh? But, uh, good question, though, kid.
Tony Zaprude consumed like a barracuda. I mean, you're talking like you never saw that uh, SeaWorld picture I did with Michael Douglas. And unlike that old son of a bitch, Tony Zapruder didn't need no uh, swimming double, huh? Pretty sure if Douglas had to get in the water himself, you know, he'd start dissolving like an Alka-Seltzer. Hey, Tony, my daddy says you owe him 20,000 pounds because he said he'd help you get something and you promised him money, but he got you and you never gave him his money. So can you please pay my daddy, Tony, because we really need the money for a, a new wall. Ah, you must be Jimmy's kid, huh? Look, kid, it's better you learn this now instead of having a lifetime of disappointments with the guy. But your daddy's a liar, huh? I asked him for enough coke to keep me up for six weeks, and he brings me 5,000 bottles of Pepsi Max. And you're telling me he wants his money? Huh? This guy, I'm telling you. What do you get you for Christmas, huh, kid? A paper plane? All this talk about trying to... Get your new wall. Don't be surprised if he gets it and it's made out of goddamn Lego, kid. Oh, we got it? Oh, thank the goddamn Lord. Sorry, kid. I'm gonna make like your daddy's checks and bounce. Okay? I'm leaving. Go on. Out of here. And the only way you redhead clowns are gonna see Tony Zaprud again is if you buy a ticket at your local chicken house movie theater. Alright? So uh, speaking on that uh, topic, uh, I got a brand new project I'm about to go out and film, right? It's this uh, buddy detective flick called uh, Haggis and Christie, and we're shooting it, uh... Where are we shooting this picture, Morty? Glasgow? Ugh, Jesus, no. After speaking to the protesters, the next day we presented the interview footage to Doug Heller, the head of the property development firm that purchased Sandy Green. So after hearing what the residents of Osselthwaite had to say, um, will you still go forward with your plans to develop the land? No. Really? You sound surprised. It's, I guess it's a rare victory for such a cause, isn't it? You call it a victory? Those holiday villas would have pumped money into a village wherein the economy is not so much dead as completely decomposed. And speaking of, have you seen the site? Do you think it's because of these sob stories that we're cancelling the development? After noticing that the green had no waste facilities, and I mean neither household nor human, we had our surveyors monitor the condition of the land, but I don't think we needed any professionals to tell us that they've turned the area into an open-air landfill. Did you not see the state of the site? Yeah? These people all live within a half-mile radius of the green. It still chose to defecate in holes. One of our observers described it as being like a Bear Grylls convention. In fact, so many holes have been dug as to compromise the very integrity of the Earth. Our chief survey reported that at this rate, 
Sandy Green is about a week away from collapsing in on itself in a mulch of human feces and empty lager cans. Oh, um, you must still be disappointed at the failure of this venture. Um, no, uh, we bought the land for a song and uh, insured it for a mint. We actually stand to make a decent profit. Can you show me the one again where the woman talks about her dead dad? Uh, okay. Do you think he drowned that girl then? Oh, well, uh, I asked her again when the cameras were off, and she said, I was just glad it wasn't me.